When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is Glowing in Tech. Powered by Coding Black Females. Amazing. So I'd like to introduce you to our guest today, who is Zoe Nengate. She is a technical lead at Palantir Technologies in London. In the two years she's been there, Zoe has worked across private and public sectors, and she's experienced in delivering high-value solutions at scale and pace, as well as growing engineers on her team. Prior to this, Zoe graduated from the University of St Andrews, where she studied computer science and achieved a first-class honours degree. In addition, Zoe was awarded the Principal's Medal for her academic achievements and efforts to improve diversity and inclusion as a student representative. Zoe has also completed two software engineering internships, Morgan Stanley and Barclays. So Zoe, thank you so much for being on. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, thank what you. an incredible set of achievements for such a short period of That's time. That's not even half of it. Did <laughs> you include the jeans list? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> um, how are you doing today, Zoe? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, it's really exciting. Really exciting. Um, so I'll start by asking a little bit about the milestones of your journey so far yeah. we had a little bit about the many accolades you've had already but it would be great to hear a little bit more about yeah what the journey looked like for you yeah so definitely the journey started um at school for me I went to an all-girls school um and so you had a weird introduction to tech because essentially everyone around me was also a girl and so uh, my computer science class was all girls even at sixth form there was only what? two boys That's yeah, so rare. In, the, in the class and so the teachers would always say you know this is a male-dominated industry and you know like you are like part of a minority going into this and we always didn't believe them because it was always <laughs> women that I was bouncing my technical ideas off even in uh, my physics class again it was all women and so it wasn't until like university that I really understood what they were saying um but at at uh, school I was a STEM ambassador and would also sort of like preach to the other girls like okay this is a male-dominated industry this is something that like we should be a part of we deserve a seat at the table um but not almost believing it until university but it was something I was very passionate about that you know more girls should be taking up like uh, computer science, maths and all these other uh, science subjects as well. Uh, so that's where it really started for me, kind of being a STEM ambassador at school, but not really believing the message I was yeah. preaching <laughs> until I went to university. And I was like, oh, yeah, we really need to get more <laughs> into this industry. So, so what did you get up to at university? Yeah, so at university was uh, studying computer science. I also did two internships, as I mentioned, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, at Morgan Stanley and Barclays uh, in their like software engineering departments. Um, and then also was a student representative uh, called the Member for Racial Equality, essentially looking at improving the diversity and inclusion uh, at St. Andrews. Wow. So what was your experience like in St. Andrews? Because I understand you're coming from London to now Scotland so what was how was that whole experience like for you and how did you decide on University of St Andrews out of everything that you applied for yeah so I'm from London and essentially my 
search started as, well, I'm probably going to work in London, so I want to go to university outside of London. Uh, and then it just went, do, 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 do. Oh, I guess St. Andrews <laughs> is really good for computer science. Um, I know my mum's first reaction was like, is everything okay? Are you, no. <laughs> are you running away? <laughs> um, but no, that they have an excellent computer science department. Um, and it was, it was going to be a different experience. And I think I was ready to, you know, fly the nest and kind of grow up a bit. So I was like, this is going to push me to grow up very fast um I absolutely loved it there like St Andrews is a really really gorgeous place um but I guess like touching on the coming from London it's very very different Mm. it's smaller um definitely just like yeah a whole different like crowd of people as well um and yeah much uh less diverse let's put it that way um Mm. like yeah definitely being you know one of the only black people studying computer science in my year for example is like just so different to the experience in London I don't think it disadvantaged me in any way but it was different just like not seeing a familiar like face to yours around and being like oh I am the person like leading this now Mm. like I am the the standard or or whatever so that that was tough um and I wanted to make a difference and (laughs) hope that years to come that wasn't the same experience for someone else going there yeah that's really cool that you were able to do that by joining the the board right yeah yeah so the students uh, representative council um had a few conversations with the principal and also uh, people in the like applications department about how we could improve this mm. um and one of the things we learned there is just that the pool of applicants weren't that diverse so it was a case of how do we get more people thinking that St Andrews is a university for them yeah. and if we get more um like black students seeing this themselves going to St Andrews and then applying then naturally we'll get a more diverse um population at St Andrews um so yeah I think it's something that will happen over time but yeah that, that was it amazing so you have a really cool story about how you landed your internships do you want to <laughs> go into that yes um so okay th- this all started again at, at my school uh where we had a work experience a week uh, as most schools do and my school has a connection with Barclays so you know a few students a year go to Barclays to do um like a an insight week and at this point we're in year 12 or something um and so I, I did that and I actually really enjoyed it they were talking about their first like a mobile app for sending money I think it's called ping it I think they use that something completely different now oh I remember that yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I talked to the team there and I was like wow this is so interesting um and I really love fintech and contactless payments and essentially where we're going in that space and so that was what started my interest so I was like okay started university came to the end of my first year and said okay what would be really interesting to do a spring week so when it came to my second year so I did four four years so it was like my uh two two years until I graduate I was like cool I'm definitely gonna apply to Barclays for a spring week and then I applied to a few others like probably like up to four banks because I was like you know just want to get experience in the applications and so kind of followed through with Barclays and Morgan Stanley and ended up getting them both but they were on the same week. And wow. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I can only do one. Yeah. Um, and my university wasn't really supportive of doing spring weeks because during that week, I think we had like a big course work due and I would have had to go down to London. And so I took the Barclays spring week and told Morgan Stanley, hey, um, my university is being really strict about taking spring weeks. 
I don't think I'm going to be able to do it because of this reason, etc. Um, and Morgan Stanley got back to me maybe a week later and were like, okay, cool. So we no, understand that you can't do the spring week, but would really like you to do the summer internship. And I remember being on this call and I laughed and I said, do you mean the paid one in summer? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and this like poor recruiter on the other end is like, yes, yes, I do mean that one. Um, and so I had to do further uh, interviews in order to get that. But then, yeah, I did. Uh, I got the Morgan Stanley summer internship a year before you're kind of supposed to. Um, but I performed well in the interviews and they just really wanted uh, me to have an experience there. So I was able to do that. Uh, internship that summer and then did Barclays the next summer that's incredible well done <laughs> you have a very quick story about that interview as well can you tell us more about like the interview process and how that was for you and what you think made you stand out in that interview yeah so I think in terms of standing out in an interview one thing so now I am an interviewer I'm interviewed for my, my current company I think trying to make a connection with the interviewer and actually getting them to not only see what your technical skills are but also who you are as a person like the more of you you can get in the interview I think that really stands out um also especially if it's like an open-ended thing or a problem-solving question you can really take charge of these interviews yourself and move them along like at your pace and candidates that take control of the interview and really start to lead it themselves I think that always um, like massively sets you apart um, and yeah just knowing a bit about everyone says this but knowing about the company trying to find out like what your experience would be like there um, and asking like yeah even a personal question to the interviewer of like you know what are you doing for the rest of the, today or like what what does your day look like compared to usual and things like that like I think that sets you apart because usually it's a very standard question that people ask but try to ask something really interesting and something you genuinely want to know um so yeah I think that's a, a couple of things that's <laughs> a really good tip because people often struggle with like you have so many nerves you've prepared so well like technically for it but how do you communicate your personality and also let people know that you are genuinely keen and asking a question like that is like a fantastic way to show like I do care and I really want to find out, yeah, how it would be to be there. So thanks. Yeah. Do you have a particular do you have a particular interesting question that someone's asked you that made you think, oh, that's a very a good question to ask? Mm. I think the this is maybe a more obvious question, but the first time I was asked it, I was taken aback a bit. It was like, what's the one thing like about your current job that would maybe like cause you to leave or like the thing that is like really the, like the most the difficult about it? Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, Ooh. but that shows me that they want to know what they're like going in for yeah. and like they they want to be prepared for the worst day you can have mm -hmm. at your job and trying to judge a, a company by the worst day and knowing that every other day is better I thought that was a really interesting way it was just a question I hadn't um got before especially in that manner of like that would that might cause you to leave I was like oh okay <laughs> that's super interesting because it can be really hard to gauge culture as well right in an interview yeah. you're supposed to be finding out about their culture but how yeah, that seems like a really interesting way to figure that out. And it's like in an interview, they're not going to be like, we have a really awful culture here. <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Like, they're just not going to say that. Um, so it can be pretty hard for the interviewer as well to gauge like, what is it really like? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're 
getting into with someone that actually looks like you what's the real tea here mm-hmm. yeah. you know mm-hmm. so i was speaking to another interviewer recently and they said the best or like the best gauge of uh, a person or how uh, good they're gonna fit the company culture is actually asking them like an opinionated question like trying to get an opinion out of them mm. so if you ask more factual things like you know tell me about your last project or last thing that was technical challenge challenging like those are all factual like they're gonna tell you a, a statement rather than like this is my opinion and this is like something that they hold true for themselves you can gauge a person much better on that mm, that's really interesting because even we've been having conversations about the difference between like culture fit and changing it into like culture add and what mm. people add to the culture and the fact that the culture is constantly ever evolving it's not something 100%. that we want to keep oh it's this way and we're gonna have it like this forever because everyone's gonna add something new and something different and just something you know to that culture so yeah it's very very interesting as well just how like the culture changes yeah, and it's controversial as well when people get rejected because you weren't a culture fit. Because, yeah. like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save the tea. <laughs> we'll save that before. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So when it came to your final year at university and now you're thinking about graduate um, graduate schemes like and your applications, did you have a certain process for that? And what was your experience with, like, applying for grad schemes? Yeah, so... Um, at the end of my Barclays internship, so I was going into my final year, I kind of got graduate offers from Morgan Stanley and Barclays. So it felt like a really natural thing to choose between the two of uh, those jobs. Um, but at the same time, a Google recruiter had actually reached out to me um, while I was deciding, you know, which one of the two am I going to am I going to take and I think that kind of opened my horizons a bit and it's a bit silly you know I did computer science of course I knew that the big tech companies were around um but because I had this interest in finance and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into the most like typical software engineering role I didn't really think of applying like obviously they were around and I knew about them but I just didn't really think that I was going to apply mm-hmm. um and then Google reaching out I was like okay maybe this is a sign that I yeah. should be open to other jobs mm-hmm. um and so then yeah when into the process of um, Google, uh, Google's application process, and then also Palantir as well. So I had a friend working there um, and he absolutely loved it and talked about uh, the kind of culture and things there. So I was like, cool, I'll, I'll apply for these two. Ended up getting to the like offer stage for both um, and then chose ultimately my current job because I wanted autonomy in my work and high ownership and also just the problems that I work on are really impactful and uh, super interesting as well. So I really wanted to make a difference with what I did. I think with computer science, there's a lot you can go on to do. And I think I wanted to ultimately work somewhere that like worked on real problems and helped to make the world like a better place. And like that, that felt like the place to put my energy. Not that Google's not doing that, but I just felt like here it was a smaller company. I'd be able to probably do more in the start of my career. Coming from big banks, like that was definitely what I was craving. That's amazing. Because we have this conversation a lot about the difference between working for like a big company versus a smaller one. Yeah. So what do you think that the biggest the pros and cons of both even yeah i think with a big company you obviously get stability and a whole range of like role models you have a lot of paths of like this is how i've been able to grow at the company this is the in some cases this this is the set way that you grow Mm. sometimes it's quite um I know it. it's comforting knowing that, you know, like one year later, you'll be on this salary, you'll be at this grade. And then two years after that, you'll be here or you need to be five years before you go for this promotion. It's a lot more open in that sense. Um, I think as well, just 
generally bigger companies with, with the stability that they have like you can move around projects like very easily um and sort of like add be additive in any way that that you want i think with smaller companies the real difference is that ownership and also innovation i think if you're a smaller company you have less risk mm-hmm. so you can just try new things and sort of if you want to go and like work on this and it fails and that's that's kind of fine um because you're all still trying to figure it out um and growth isn't this like completely linear thing mm. i think you can make your own growth path whereas yeah. it's definitely more d- defined uh for big companies and so it becomes then a personality thing yeah. like do you want to seek your own growth path and have it be really undetermined and you figure that out or do you want it to be you know i'm a l2 software engineer and then next i'm going to be an l3 and that's just you you can still be very ambitious and climb that but it's there like you're climbing a defined frame whereas this other one sometimes it's hard to tell is that a step up is a sidestep it's unclear and this is a perfect segue into like going from being a grad to now a technical lead (laughs) so can you please give us some insight into how you made that happen yeah um so I, I essentially the growth at my company it isn't very linear and you do choose your own growth path and so it was just a case of being um sort of accomplished through projects and getting that experience it was like okay I want to like own things end to end and actually own the customer relationship and the solution that I'm building um and I want to kind of set the vision for that solution um but a big part of it as well is that I love growing engineers and sort of utilizing their talents helping them expand their horizons learn new things and so being a technical lead is all about the engineers that you lead and making them the best they can be um, ensuring that they're on the right projects and they're doing the the things that are right for their growth and I think it's like thinking about others and also the solution and the customer and delivery and all of those things at once I think like that's how I started to tend while you know being a uh, just a forward deployed software engineer and then that was then recognized and I started being a technical lead on the on the projects that I'm doing now but it was the people element mostly that's so cool it's really interesting that you've managed to kind of choose a path to nurture or go down so early on because that that tends to be like the division that happens after a few years are you going to go to be uh like a the contributor route or the manager kind of tech lead route and is that something that you think that you're enjoying like and, and you've made the right decision are you still able to contribute um to the code base itself or are you like purely working with people now and, and being the enabler in that in that way Yeah, so I think I really enjoy both elements. I love the technical side. I love like taking a big ambiguous problem and trying to turn it into like what tangibly can we build? And so I I think I'll always keep that element. I think what I've moved slightly away from is the day-to-day like coding element. Um, But I, yeah, sometimes I see myself a bit more as a solutions architect. It's like, how do I, or a general engineer, it's like, how do I piece together things in a way that makes sense? I can jump in and out of the code where I need to, Mm. but that's not what I like always have to do it's more Mm -hmm. about the solution and pieces together and then also the people element so I like to keep myself still very technical but I think it's how much you get into the detail it is it is a trade-off but I think I've made the right one for myself now Um, and luckily I work at a company where if I wanted to change that I ultimately could or I could could move on to to another company oh it's amazing yeah I see it it. (laughs) (laughs) no so one thing I definitely do want to know is do you have any advice that you'd give to people who want to be promoted internally because now we're seeing more and more people advising people to 
leave their roles if yeah. they want to be promoted and especially for like a significant pay increase so we'd love to hear what advice you give someone who actually wants to stay in the same company but they just want like a more advanced role yeah um I think my my advice is actually fairly simple and something that someone gave me is make a note of everything that you have done. Like every project that you have worked on and the outcome, if you can tie it to any like value or impact or personally what it did to the people around you. Or if someone says, oh, hey, that presentation that you did was really amazing. I thought that like everyone was really engaged and someone gives you good feedback like that, try to get it in written form. Make sure you've sent it to your line manager. Keeping this book of the things that you have done makes it a lot easier to say, okay, I've done X, Y, Z, and I think I'm now ready for this role. Or if the role has a certain descriptor, you can then point, I've done this in that time, in you know August of 2020, I did yeah. this. And actually, like I think when it comes to the promotion cycle or review season, you have like recency bias. So you forget, you know, what did I do six months ago? But if you have this list of all the things you've done backed with people who can give you good references internally um, and like deadlines and projects and tangible things, it's really hard to argue with a tangible yeah. thing. Um, but definitely I would advise like, yeah, have that conversation. And sometimes it can be can be quite awkward. Like <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite British. It's like, oh, we're talking about money now. Yeah. Oh no. Um, but it's, yeah, it's something that you have to like push yourself to do and like, your colleague will do it as well. Like ev everyone is doing it. So just start that conversation. Start with your line manager. Who's the best person to talk to about this? You know, I would like a co compensation increase and then go from there and have, have your book of facts to refer to. But I think that's the easiest way. And ultimately know, know when's a good time to leave. Like if you are being pigeonholed somewhere or you feel like you're not progressing and you have tried internally, sometimes it's also worth like looking around seeing what your market value is as well um, but definitely push internally first unless you're unhappy with your job but i would suggest that thanks so much for listening to this week's glowing in tech join us next week as we talk to zoe about her tech topic in 10 data engineering and her controversial take meritocracy in the hiring process this mistrust has led to fear mongering about big data and the algorithms. And I think we've kind of forgotten that data engineering can and, and should be used for good. Organizations being able to unlock the power of their data enables them to do their jobs better and essentially make data driven decisions, which in some cases, you know, can save lives. So let's break down, we just hire the best people for the job. I think what they really mean is that they will hire the best people they can find or the best people that from who have applied. Mm. If your applicant pool is only students from the top 10 universities, you've already self-selected what you think indicates the best candidate, yeah. not who is in fact the best candidate.